When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Yo! Hello, welcome to uh, another Touchy Gunas podcast. My name is Lewis. I'm joined by Dr. Lee. How you doing, mate? I'm good, man. Very Oi. good to hear. Oi, oi, quick snapshot. No one saw it, it's all right. Uh, and we got uh, Shabs. How you doing, man? Yeah, man, all good. Happy off the three points. Definitely. And we got German DZ as well. Yo, blessed and not stressed. That's, that's what I like to hear, man. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Come, come! This time last week, we 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 were kind of stressed, right? Like, even though we were, you know, quite optimistic about the um the season and we felt good about preseason, there's always that, you know, thing in the back of your mind, like I've got, especially after like what happened last season that away to Brentford and and you know our uh, match against Palace last year, um, there was a bit of trepidation. I feel like coming into this game and you know Friday night opening game. You got the hoodoo from last year. Ops are waiting just to crush our bubble. You know, they've seen how excited some of the fan bases got um, after the preseason that we've had. And, you know, they were waiting. They were waiting to pounce. They weren't, they weren't saying much about the game, but they, they were lurking in the bushes. I know they were lurking in the bushes. But, you know, we got the job done. We, um, we spared our blushes. We got the three points. And... You know, come the end of the season, we might look back at these three points and think, you know, that's that's the difference between our targets and, and not making the targets, you know. So before we do kick things off and get into the nitty gritty of things, um, I do just have some housekeeping to uh, attend to. Um, we've got the Touchline Fracas live show, 4th of September at Bellucci's in London Bridge. We're all going to be there, right? We're all going to be there. We've sold over a hundred tickets so far, right? Like it's this a serious, serious event. Um, we're going to be showing the Arsenal Manchester United match live. You know how these events get, right? Arsenal v Man United. It's one for the ages. Listen, we may not be the same, you know, the same teams that we, we you know, we were back then. We're, not, we're spent forces, but the fact that the, the the fire between the fan bases ha- hasn't gone, so you know it's going to be a, an amazing event. We're going to do the live show after the game like we always do. So the early birds have now sold out. Um, it's just general admission tickets now. I think they're £15. So you can get them from... Um, uh, I forgot the website is, but I'll put it in the bio. Um, yeah, so you can get it for £15. Well, Eventbrite. Eventbrite, sorry, that's the one. I was going to say Shubs, but Eventbrite. Um, yeah, so if you go to Eventbrite, Touchline Frackers Live Show, it'll be there. If not, it'll be in the bio. 
of the podcast. Um, so yeah, come and support us. Join the Touchy Gunas army. Come and sell, come and support the team with us, and hopefully be victorious with us as well. Um, and yeah, it'd just be it'd be really good to see as much of you as possible. Um, but yeah, let's get into the game, lads. Um, Doctor Lee, no. Um, I can't remember your prediction heading into the game. I'm trying to rack my brains because we all did predictions before the game. Was I, yours a positive said, prediction I, or an? I said two or, one. I said we win two one. You said you win two one. So, um, <clears throat> and you were on the podcast as well, right? You yeah. before the game, you had some, you know, fears about you know yeah. our physicality in midfield and how it would match up to Palace's. Obviously, Palace had a slightly different midfield with no Gallagher, um, mm. who caused us quite a lot of issues last season in the away leg. Um, did the game pam uh, pam out map out how um you uh you thought it would? Um, no, nah, because I thought we started better than I thought we would in terms of I feel that for the first thirty five minutes we really took it to them physically, and um, we actually kind of were winning the physical battle, which was quite good. Um, I did not expect to get completely dominated in the second half either. I thought it'd be a more even game. But um, so no, it it didn't plan out like I, I expected. But the result, I knew it would be tight, whatever it was. So I mean, you think about it. Until that late goal it was a set piece that separated us, and um, they had good chances to score as well. So it was a really tight game, which I did think it would be, um, and we edged the victory. I'm happy we got the clean sheet. Um, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm really happy with the game to be honest, because at the end of the day, Palace isn't one of those games that I really am going to be looking at nuance. They're, they're our bogey team. We, we we rarely do very well against Palace. And it's because they're set up physically to really disrupt us. And it's really not our strength, in my opinion. So Palace away, opening day of the season, just get me the three points by hook or by cook and let, let's move on. Because I'll, I'll judge us on a sunny day this weekend um, at the Emirates um, facing Leicester, to be honest with you. Like Palace, that performance, not that fast. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those games, like you said, it's they're, they're a bogey team for us. Last season, they were a bogey team for absolutely everyone, especially the top six. They took 10 points away from um, uh, top six teams at Selhurst Park last year, I believe. Or it might just be in, in the Premier League in general. And that's, that's a lot of points. That's a, a big share of your points to be taken away from the top six teams. So we know what Palace are about. I know they had like a slightly disrupted pre-season which maybe maybe um, it played into a bit of their slow start. But um, Shabs, I'll come to you next. What do you think was, um, you know, Leroy obviously mentioned about how fast we started. Um, how impressed were you with, with the start? Very impressed. I think we controlled the game. I think there was not a doubt about, about it. Um, you know, definitely for the first... 30 minutes um, even more than that a lot of people are saying for the first 30 minutes I think we were the more dominant side during the first half really honestly and truly speaking I know from about 30 minutes onwards Palace started to get a hold of the game and that the, the catalyst for that was really like you know a mistake from from your boy Ramsdale but um, I think they started to get a bit of confidence um from that moment but prior to that it was all us I think the way in which we started was high energy high intensity I think we were all over them there were players who looked really sharp um Zinchenko for me looked really sharp um played with the right intensity the right energy 
Um, Martinelli, he came out the blocks flying. Jesus, he's another one, just really, really quick. And I think we saw what we have been seeing watching the team in preseason. So I think it was good. it was encouraging actually to see that we've carried some of that preseason form and that preseason attitude into into the match. Um, all things considered, I was just I was just happy to get three points and get three points on the board. I think um, you know how we scored didn't really matter to me. It was about starting the season well carrying on some of the, you, you want to build and generate momentum and uh, Crystal Palace, Leroy is right. They are a bit of a bogey side for us. They have been a difficult side to come up against. They were difficult under Hodgson um, and got the better of us sometimes under Hodgson. They've been quite good under Patrick Vieira as well. I, I quite like what he's building and how he's building um, that Palace side. So it wasn't really a game to be taken lightly or a game to be taken for mugs, but I was impressed by the manner in which we um, controlled the, the the game in the first half. And I think Zichenko and Ben White did really good. They were quite crucial in terms of our, our, our build-up. Um, our midfield got bypassed quite a lot. There wasn't really a lot to say about the midfield in that game. but I think And I think Saka was quite quiet in the first half as well. A lot of the play was focused down the left side. In the first half, so Zinchenko had a lot of the ball. Martinelli did, um, Gab Jesus did, um, and yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was really impressed and happy with them. Yeah, I, I think you, you summed it up quite nicely there. Um, German Dan, um, <clears throat> the the game seemed to change after about the half an hour mark. Um, Shabs mentioned that my boy Ramsdale was the catalyst for that. But I might I also like to mention that my boy Ramsdale also kept us in the game. So uh, without without his heroics, we may not be celebrating like we are right now. Yeah, Not Lewis firing back. Two key saves, yeah? Two key saves. I don't know why, but, you, why you're loading up the Ramsdale on me. You know what I'm about, bro. <laughs> Just ask me even else, you, yeah? even you are going to have to admit that Ramsdale had a good game, right? Am I, am I in court right now? on that um on that save for Eze and what was the the header was uh Edward. Edward, no? yeah so he made two crucial saves definitely yeah yeah but um where where do, you, where do you feel like the game changed for you like how did it change because we did start really fast out of the blocks um you know we we may not have been creating like loads and loads of chances and shots and stuff like that. But we got ourselves typically into lots of really threatening positions. You know, either Odegaard wasn't pulling the trigger or, you know, playing a pass that he shouldn't have par played or whatnot. There were quite a few occasions like that, right? So where do you think the game spun on its axis? Yeah, I think I, I do agree. First 30 minutes, we were we started really strong. I think we were aggressive and we were physical um, and territorially we were dominating the game and the game took place in Palace's half. Um, we were good at sustaining um, pressure and retaining possession and also, um, you know, um, keep going back into, you know, areas that Palace didn't, didn't want the ball to be. We, we really unsettled them in that period. And I think what we stopped doing is be as penetrative with our passes. Um, so the execution, I think, Took a bit of a slight, I wouldn't say a hit, but you know, the execution wasn't to the level, it was in the first 30 minutes. Um, and then also the the energy levels seemed to have dropped. 
I think Palace were conserving the energy, being in the, in the deeper block. And um, the game, you know, in some ways changed because of that. We were, you know, pushing on to them. They were conserving the energy, staying tight. And then for the last, you know, 10, 10 minutes of the half, they were able to try hit us back. Um, and I think that's that's what happened here. Um, I think when I was watching the game in the group chat, we were obviously talking. And we did say during the game, you know, we're getting in good position. We're playing really well. But offensively, there's another gear. There's another gear. If it's with the players on the pitch or if we have to get something else, you know, structurally, we are in a good position and the structure allows us to be in a good position uh, in games. But offensively, we can capitalise on these situations better. It's, just, it's either the execution of the players on the pitch or just having, you know, needing generally more quality. And in that game, I felt, OK, this is Palace away. And as, as what Leroy said, this is a difficult game for us. So um, I don't want to overanalyze it, but um, I will definitely um, have a have a look this weekend and, you know, assess and think, you know, um, I think Udegaard definitely had an off game. Um, you know, the stats that he posted, that was not something that he post, posts up usually. 72% pass accuracy, no key passes. So that's pretty poor on his behalf. He ran a lot and he pressed a lot. So I think um, on, on that basis, he did his job to a certain degree. But what I'm, I want them for in a team, he didn't do. So I know there's another level in him. And he probably, you know, he probably ball out on Saturday. Um, Jacka, I don't know what that level is, you know, offensively. Um, and I know that he can be upgraded on 100%. Um, and I also don't think that would cost a lot to upgrade on him and, you know, find another gear offensively. And that's where that game left me at. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was it was about energy levels. And I think Palace had good energy levels to the um, back end of the second half. And then in, in throughout the whole second half, and back in of the first half, and throughout the whole second half, they were at home, you know, getting pushed on by the crowd. We have got, we've got a goal. We're kind of sitting back, maybe hoping for the one or two openings. And they, they <coughs> had a good game. So, in terms of the game, where I think we lost it, where we started the game in the first sort of 15 minutes to half an hour, we were really lively because we had a lot of energy. And the game was being dominated by our front three. Um, our press was really good and we were pressing really, really high up. We were winning the ball high up and we were causing them a lot of problems. Um, because of that, we managed to push our whole team up and we kind of really dominated that period of the game. Where the issue became is where I felt that Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel Jesus particularly, um, but to a lesser extent, Martinelli and Saka, they seemed to tire quite quickly. I don't know why that is, but they seem to. What that did is that gave Crystal Palace particularly a lot more space and ability. So what they started to do is they started to be able to play out a bit better. But um, I think Anderson really got on the ball then. And tactically, I think Vieira changed it and really just started to bypass midfield completely. And all they were doing is dropping long balls in behind the fullbacks. So you saw many, many times Anderson would get the ball and either look to the right back or the left back. And he would drop super accurate balls in behind them and turn us around and get us turned around really, really quickly. Um, we were struggling to deal with that. <clears throat> the second part of that is when it came to um, the te intensity drop, when we were trying to play out, I think Odegaard and um, Shaka had terrible games in terms of ball retention. Um, and that's unlike them because when we were trying to play out, I felt that our defenders weren't terrible with it in terms of terrible on the ball. But one, they when they were trying to play that pass into midfield or when Party was trying to play that pass into midfield, Odegaard and Shaka just couldn't retain the ball but in the um, second half and in the latest stages of the first half. So the ball was coming going to back to Crystal Palace. They were putting it long in behind. They were turning us around. 
we were struggling a little bit there. If we did win the ball back on the edge of our box, it was going straight back to Crystal Palace because Odegaard or Shaka would lose the ball. And that's how they got control of the game. Um, I feel that what we needed to show in that game was, one, a bit more athleticism to resist the press, especially from Odegaard and Shaka. If you had someone who was a bit more resistant and who could retain the ball a little bit more in between the lines and get us out because we were okay when our defenders won the ball like Saliba had a good game I felt Ben White had a good game which we could probably come on to him later um but when we played out it just kept coming straight back and what we needed was that second pass so can we play out from the defense play into someone in the lines of midfield can that person hold the ball can that person get us up the pitch and because that didn't happen, the ball kept coming back and back and back. And that's what just made went waves and waves and waves of Crystal Palace possession. And, and and they didn't do the best with it, but that's where I feel like the game was lost. Yeah, I agree. I think the tiredness kicked in um, with uh, a few of the players, like you suggested. And, you know, I did feel a, a bit like we were carrying Erdegaard a bit. Um, yeah, I was about latter- to say before, before you go on to this, because yeah. I do agree. I think Jacker was really sloppy. And I've, and 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 I listen. I don't mind Bastian Jacker, you know. <laughs> that, used to be my, that used to be my professional job, man. But mm. um, you know, I feel I just looked at the pass accuracy, and I do think he had a lot of um, turnovers that were unforced. Well, he had the highest pass accuracy out of all the midfielders. So who was who? Who did Jacker? Jacker did. So mm. yeah, um, it did surprise me because I, I checked the Udegaard yeah. one. It was low. Partey was 80s, but we, he takes more risks with his passing. Yeah, that's what I was going to um, say. At least Partey's going yeah. forward. Xhaka's um, more like, I'm going to lay it back to you. And then. Oh, he was you know. bad. He was bad with the ball. With a lot of unforced what his, errors. What were his retention stats like? Because it's not only just passing as well. Mm. Yeah. And that's, was, let me just. just and that, but I think that's what it is. Though, nine with, times. But that's, I, that's a lot. <laughs> but I think and, that's um, what it is with Shaka. And, and this is what we know about him he he is a high volume passer and he does make high pass completions from game to game but it's where those passes end up and what those passes do and for me it's 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 not really about his passing percentages it's about how many of those passes were progressive for for me it's about do the stats reflect um what this new role is supposed to interpret so I think offensively he's, he's not doing a... much. He's not doing much, and we know he won't yeah. do much. And um, that's and, and 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 that's the bigger thing for me because you can look at the stat sheet after the game and say, well, actually, yeah, he has a high, he had a high passing percentage. But watching watching him, it is surprising to kind of learn that he had a high passing percentage because we're, I'm, we, I'm, you... I'm literally just playing devil's advocate because we'll have mm. listeners looking and look at the stats, and the stats is he's lo- he's lost the ball the least out of all the midfielders actually. He's yeah. the highest and he's won second most duels. Yeah. So. For me, I think in this game, and what did happen, I think we have... Leroy's um, analysis and take was, was, was spot on, by the way. It was very, very um, good. It was very clear. That did happen. And, and, and that, I suppose, is um, a bit of a criticism because Anderson played so many passes into that channel. I don't think that we did struggle with any of them, though, to be fair, Leroy. I think we were... Saliba and Ben White did a very good job of dealing with um, those balls that came into the channel. And between them, they looked um, quite confident of being able to to deal with them. I think Anderson uh, played a higher number of long passes and uh, only completed less than half of those as well, I think, if, if I can recall the stats correctly. But I think in this game as well, um, 
the midfield, I think Palace's midfield in particular as well, did a good job of 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 cancelling us out. And I think we as well did a good job of cancelling them out as well when we did have the ball. So we didn't play through our middle in the way that maybe we want to see or in the way that we might be able to play through our middle in other games. Like, for example, I think the game against Leicester um, coming up will be a very different game when we are able to utilise it. But I think because of the personnel and the selection that they have um, in that midfield at Palace, and I think they are quite high energy guys and whatnot, they, they, I think they did do... We cancelled each other out. That's what it looks like um, to me. Yes, I agree with German Dan in terms of Erdegaard and what I want from Erdegaard. He, he, he didn't give us enough on the ball. I think Partey was actually decent. Um, to be fair, I know Partey got a bit of criticism. I think he was he was our best of the three. Um, I think when he did play, really it, the he reason did we didn't lose it, I think he's the reason we didn't lose it. I agree. Yeah, and he was the only I, one that gave us a bit of stability in midfield, yeah. right? Yeah, and I, and and I think the question marks are about 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 Shaka, and I've, you know, with this this is an ongoing conversation. It feels like a never ending conversation. But if we're talking about an iteration now where he's playing as a as an advanced eight. You know, we have to be really honest with ourselves in the questions that we're asking and saying, is this guy going to um um he's he's at he's at the peak of his game really considering his age. This is when like a midfielder like him you'd be expecting to see his best football. Is he going to give us a, a high volume of chances created playing closer to goal? No. Is he going to offer us a greater goal threat? No. Is he going to change his game so all of a sudden he can now carry um, the ball into the final third and do damage in the final third? No. Is he going to, you know, all of a sudden have an increased uh, through ball percentage and find players and make the final pass? No. His goal scoring numbers are not going to improve. His assists are not going to improve. His chance creation is not going to improve. It's not going to get better. We need to improve on him and the player that we 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 have there. And I think that's the answer for me and I, and I don't want this to be a witch hunt for him because like German Dan said I don't I, I don't think he was the worst but I'm looking at this team now and the lineup and I think it's as it's a very good Arsenal lineup and that is the one position for me which is glaring isn't it obvious weak link yeah yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I yeah it's think, clear yeah. it's clear he's, a, he's, yeah. he's also been he's also been using the um, position well we know it doesn't actually play to the strengths that he has really and truly so he's doing a job outside of, you know, his ideal requirements in some way. And I'm sure many players do that, but I think he's really out out, out of his comfort zone in that role. I think it's clear. Um, I think he's doing an okay job. I think that's the only thing I can give him. Um, uh, he's doing an okay job, but quite frankly, in that position, there's a lot of players in Europe that we could get. Yeah. And that would uh, that would upgrade us, and 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 you know, so we sure. need to go out and do it. It needs to it needs to happen this window. We can't be delaying anymore. You know, I don't want to do uh, next year. We're gonna get a left eight. No, it's got to be this window. Just an answer to to Shaz's point earlier. So I I didn't say we kind of struggled with actually dealing with the balls from the defensive perspective. It's how we struggled with the game because the ball kept going back to them when we we're coming out of the second pass, and they kept putting it back, and it just made us turn around and made it like they put the pressure on us. However, I have to commend the defenders because the defenders did a good job. So I didn't mean we struggled with it from the yeah. defenders' perspective. No, I hear you, bro. And then, I I, in, in, in a way, like, I, I do feel that Shaka isn't was an issue. It, it really depends because I, I've got a bit of a different view to you, man. I like 
a Shaka profile. I think, I think what he did was okay in um, that midfield. In yeah. that, even in that position, the problem is obviously Shaka is not a small space player. The higher you go up the pitch, the smaller the spaces get. And the issue is that you can't really influence that area of the pitch because he doesn't have the dexterity, the agility. He just doesn't have that 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 ability. But the thing that Shaka does give you, not in this game because he really didn't have a good game, is control. And when we are playing a different type of game, when he's facing the ball and he's not quite high up the pitch, I feel he plays very, very well with Party because Party can be on an island in the system and, and it, it worries me. But Shaka's always there underpinning him and he's always quite close. And he really, really gives us control. The games that we play well, Shaka usually plays well because he gives us a real good control of the ball. He might not do a lot in the final third in terms of, like I said, in the small spaces, but when he's facing the game and he's behind the ball, I think he's actually quite good in that position. I do agree with you in some games. That the reason that you, you were saying we couldn't progress through the middle, and I think this was Vieira's doing as well. So, obviously, um, Crystal Palace started off in a 4-3-3, but you can see what Vieira was doing, like especially towards the end of the second half. He was just clogging the middle. He made Eze drop behind party. So he's basically trying, like, look, I'm, you're going to stand here and you're going to try and just block an easy pass from party. Yeah. And they went into a one-two. And then yeah. every, it was like a diamond or a box. It was a diamond. Yeah. It was a diamond yeah. in the field. And yeah. he was just packing the middle and forcing us to go through the sides. Now, when we go yeah. through the sides and progress that way, we're going out to the fullbacks, such as that's why Zinchenko and Ben White had so many touches of the ball. But then when you go forward, you've got obviously your, 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 your wide players in Saka and Martinelli. Those players that are right inside them are the people they need to play off. When that ball goes in and they need to move quickly, those players need to be on form, Odegaard and Shaka. If they're not on form, we, what can you do from an attacking perspective? And that's why all our positive play came from when it was high up the pitch or when Gabriel Jesus was winning it, when Martinelli was winning it. We didn't really have any moves where we built from the back and they were successful because I think Odegaard and Shaka were so poor. Um, and that, that's in that kind of situation, I completely understand why you need a different profile from Shaka. That that kind of game is a perfect sub where at halftime you take Shaka off and you put Vieira on because he's going to sue what was going on in that game state. But in different games, when Shaka's playing a lot behind the ball with party controlling the game, I think he does well, man. I, I really yeah. do. And I, 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 I see, I see the value in him. I don't see, I don't think where we should be getting rid of him. And I think him and party have a good relationship. And partnership on the pitch, so I do yeah. agree with that. And, yeah. I, and I and sorry, just one final thing on on Shaka. I do want to say the, the, these criticisms that I'm highlighting are about what he done on the ball. I like what he did off the ball, without the ball, and I do think what was interesting for me as well were the positions that he took up in relation to when Zinchenko had the ball, depending on where Zinchenko was. I think Zinchenko was very interesting because there were times where he was standing inside as a central midfielder in that kind of two, three, five that, you know, we, we're, we're clearly moving towards. But there were times where he was on the outside as well, um, but not in the advanced positions. He was just on the outside around the mid, uh, around the midfield halfway line. And then there were a few times as well where he was high up the pitch on the outside, almost kind of like left flat, left wing, left forward position as well. And um, I think Shaka's positioning relative to where Zinchenko was, was always quite interesting for me. And um, when Zinchenko was advanced, Shaka would kind of, you know, take up a more defensive, cautious position. And I think that's obviously minded to, if the, if he loses the ball um, or if this breaks down, I'm in a position to, to, to cover. And I think that is part of Shaka's, um, 
you know, tactical discipline and his 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 understanding of the game as well. So I, I don't want to um, completely bash him. My pro- my issues with him are primarily about what he is unable to do on the ball, but off the ball there is there is a use for him there there definitely. Yeah, I think um, the game that you're probably talking about that Xhaka is probably going to excel in is probably on the weekend, right? Against against Leicester. I can see Xhaka having a really good game against Leicester. We're probably going to have 60% of the ball at home and, you know, we're, we're going um, to be playing in Leicester's half for the majority of it. And I think th- those are the games that probably suit Xhaka. And um, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Shabs. Like, um, there was definitely that kind of... I don't, I don't know quite how to put it, but it was sort of like overlapping and... Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Like a fullback and a winger playing like overlapping, you know, Zinchenko would move into midfield and Xhaka yeah. would be in the left back spot. And then, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was like lateral. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was lateral movements. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's it was part an interesting of change. Of, yeah. 100%. Yeah. It was yeah. interesting. Um, and, and I don't think Tierney doesn't really offer you that, you know, it's uh Tierney is very much a traditional left. Let's back. talk about that. Yeah. Let, we, could, we, could talk about, we could talk about Zinchenko. I thought, Zinchenko, for me, I don't know much about him, right? City players in general, when I'm watching Man City, I'm not really watching for man like Zinchenko. I'm watching for your KDBs, for your, you know, your Sterlings, your Silvers, <clears throat> Mares, Jesus. I'm, I'm watching for these, man. Um, so Zinchenko is kind of one of those players that I never really paid attention to. Um, so I, I wasn't sure what we were buying, really. Um, but after that first game and what I saw in pre-season when he, when he did play, I think it was just in the Sevilla game. Um, I was quite impressed, actually. I think to, in, the, in the second half, he, he, he um, jaded a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think there was one instance in the second half just before he got taken off where I can't remember who it was, uh, just absolutely Ayu. rinsed him. Was it? Ayu? Ayu, yeah, absolutely rinsed him on the right hand side, and then that was the point where I was like, right, okay, cool, maybe we do need someone just to go back to that solidified left back who's just gonna sit there and stand Ayu up and not not get beat, you know, and and just hold his position well. Um, but generally speaking, um, I was quite impressed with Zinchenko's performance because I think I can see what he's gonna offer this team. You know, he was doing more of the. In the first half, anyway, he was doing more of the dictating of play than than Xhaka was. He was he was kind of like the, and and I think it maybe contributed to why Erdegaard had a poor game as well. I think Zinchenko took a lot of the playmaking responsibilities away from Erdegaard. Um, I don't know if that was by design of the system or just how the game panned out, but it did seem like Zinchenko was our primary um, our primary playmaker. In, in the first half, at least. And then, as you guys have already mentioned, like second half came, we kind of got overrun a bit and we, we couldn't find those positions anymore. And we, we found ourselves pinned back a little bit more. Um, but yeah, uh, Dan, do you want to wanna chime in on the Zinchenko? Yeah. yeah, I do, because you guys cooked me when I put them Zinchenko videos in the group chat. <laughs> and I said... You put in some meaty video, No, man, no, no, I put the videos video, in man. and I said, look at the videos, look at the opposition, look at his operation speed. He takes one or two touches max. He plays through the press. He plays mm-hmm. forward on one touch or two touches on nearly all occasions. And these are the qualities that we don't have at left back. So I 100% understand why we are looking for this guy. Yes, I don't think he's a good defender. 
I don't think so. But on the ball, his quality is so, so evident and it's so clear, especially at left back. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's easy for him. There could be a man on and he'll just go past him quickly and pass around the corner. There's He's doing reverse passes from left back. You know, Kenny's just not doing that. He's comfortable getting it on the half turn, getting it in midfield, getting on left or right foot, playing it first time, playing, you know, spraying it quickly over the top to Saka. These kind of things. He he has he has all the things that you that you'd want from a left back in that sort of you know specified role that we have inverted and you know getting on the ball a lot and a lot of touches. So he gives you that penetration, but what he doesn't do, it doesn't give you you know necessarily protection, which is why Jacka's role is quite important here, as Shaps you know has alluded to. Zinchenko's high up. I think essentially in that game we played like a lopsided three four three, where you have. Zinchenko nearly like you know midfield, nearly even drawn in the forward line. Um, you have Ben White sort of in midfield. You have Jacken almost a left um left centre back, then Gabriel centre, and then Saliba right. You know, so that that's how the positions that they took up sometimes on the ball. And um, I think that interchangeability, that um, flexibility in positions is helpful when progressing the ball. They didn't know, you know, if you're telling someone be on Jacka, be on Jacka's touch, and Jacka's at left centre back. As a midfielder, you can't follow him. You can't. So what are you going to do? You're going to think, oh, so Zinchenko's here. Then Zinchenko's all the way all the way up on the left-hand side, combined with Martellini. You can't go out there. You know, it's just, it drags your position. It destabilizes your position. And that interchangeability is, I think, very, very valuable. So I think Zinchenko brings things that are important for us. Of course, he has weaknesses. But I think he brings things that are very important for us, which is why I was so adamant about getting a ball player in that position. And I also like the idea of Lissandra Martinez. But, you know, I think Zinchenko, um, we've got a good deal here. We've got a good deal here because that Lissandra guy is going for 40 million plus and he's and looking like a rabbit. It's because United are crackheads, though. That's the, I mean, I'm yeah. sorry. It's because because United are crackheads. Yeah. 67 million euros all in for... Uh, uh, I even made up a name. I said Hamano Hasbullah. But, like, <laughs> you can't... You can't Pay that amount of money for a centre back who's five foot nine and play him at left centre back. I'm sorry. They so, call him Lisa, Lisa, Lisa Andro Martin. Lisa <laughs> Andro Martin. Amano Liz Liz Martinez. Little Lannister. Uh, Ray yeah. Mysterio. Yeah. 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 Nero, you, you were quite. Um, well, I would say you're probably still not on board with the Zinchenko no. signing, right? And uh, so. There is going to come a point this season, and I'm going to predict this now, where teams are going to target Zinchenko. Because when we had all of the ball in against Crystal Palace, yeah, it was all nice and dandy. The minute that the second half starts and we start not having the ball, every time someone gets at him, they were roasting him. And it only season, happened like once. Though. It happened, no, it happened three times, and then Tierney came on. I and don't know. Three times. Tierney, Tierney came on and was solid. Yeah, he, but Tilly's gonna sit there, and Tilly's a good defender. He's a know. good defender, but for me, I mean, you all you not know me by now. We've been talking football for years. I do not like incomplete players physically. I do not like defenders who cannot defend. It is a big thing for me, and it worries me. You, you know, the, the way we play is not. It's not necessarily that. It's not about defenders defending. It's about you know responsibilities within your role. So Janchenko might be by paper. Defender for us, but his yeah. role is not really that of defending. He, his role, his role has a significant amount of defending. Who, who do you, who do he, you think is if, better suited to us? If we but have a right in the majority of games, I think yeah. in the majority of games, he's not. He's gonna spend more time 
on the ball and with the ball than off, than so off the ball. Than having every fullback in every top team. But the problem yeah. is when smaller teams play you, they will get counter opportunities. If the right winger gets the ball, who is going out to face him 1v1 in this team? It's in Gabriel. Nice. No. <laughs> oh, well, you you mean in transition? No. no uh, uh, okay. So if if the other team has possession, stable possession, so not in transition, stable possession, okay. and they switch the ball to the right winger, who is going out to fucking engage him? It's Zinchenko. Zinchenko is going, going to, to engage him. That is going to happen. Yeah, he, sure. But that's, that's and, when you play as a defensive unit, which is what we did. Where Gabriel Martinelli was very close to him. That's why on the lock. That's why he got bypassed on a couple occasions. But those. Yeah. Where in transition, when we were yeah. in the block, and he didn't really get bypassed. Yeah. I don't remember too many one v one opportunities. Is that, and this is what I'm coming to say: is is there's not a lot. I think the way that we play, it's not often that we see our defenders having to defend in one v one situations. Anyway, whether that's in the transition or off the back of stable possession or or whatnot, it's it's not. We tend to defend as a unit, and that's—I think—that's a, a large part of the credit for that is due to Arteta, because I think tactically we are we are flexible, and I think we, the players now have an understanding of the game, and you know we we know what we need to do defensively, and we do defend a whole lot better as a team now. So I do get your reservations about him. I don't think he's the worst defender, by the way. It remains to be seen. To be fair, I think because he can get roasted. We, we all, I've seen it a few times. Yeah, I, I think we all have to be we we all have to be realistic here and remember, um, as good a player he is, as accomplished a player he is when he's um, on the ball, he didn't play an awful lot of games at left back for Man City. He didn't, you know, it's where he primarily played, but he didn't play a lot. I think he played uh, eleven starts last season at left back for Man City, and then five sub appearances, pretty much when games were. Um, uh, comfortable or, or 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 one he came on and in the seasons before that as well he's not had he's not wrapped up like massive appearances for Man City considering he's been there for what three or four years now so there's still a lot to come from him in terms of his development and growth as a football player and his development and growth as a left back but I do hear your reservation Leroy but I'm I'm not super worried about it just yet and another part of the reason why I'm not super worried about it is because we do have Tierney and we do have Tierney to swap out. I think if you think about it like this, there's there's not the, the, the biggest issue with Tierney as a player is his lack of availability throughout the course of a season. Yep. Yeah. If you take the load off of Tierney um, in terms of the number of games and minutes he's expected to play, I think that injury load will be easier. That's what I think. I might I might be wrong. I'm not basing it on... That guy um, can get injured in training, bro. He'll play one game for Scotland. Yeah. That guy's medical, trying up some pancakes getting injured, man. Yeah, but I think... But I think then we're less reliant on him to be available for... Um, 100%. You know, we need him to be available for 30 games of the season rather than 60. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's my point. So... Um, I think there are, it is a bit of horses for courses, as someone in the chat has said, and it is a little bit of, there will be different games and game situations even where mm -hmm. you need Tierney over Zinchenko. There may be games where you, you need, we need both. We see Tierney starting at left back and we see Zinchenko starting at left eight, maybe. Um, I don't know, but I think 
I'm not worried because we have Tierney as well, who I know is very accomplished and very balanced as a, as a fullback as well. I think he can do the defensive side of the game very well, but he can do the attacking side of the game. He just can't do the things that Zinchenko can do. So, yeah, yeah like I think I think we've got two good left backs, man. Um, in terms of what we need from them, ideally you'd merge them together. You can't. So yeah. you know, game situation depending or game requirement depending, you use one or the other. We we do. And I'm not saying Zinchenko's a bad player. He's clearly good technically and he's tidy. My only reservation is I don't like incomplete players. I don't like players with glaring flaws because I feel that one of the biggest benefits of this Arteta regime is the recruitment overall. And we've recruited complete players. One thing that we've seen is the recruitment of two-footed players, players who can solve loads of problems on the pitch. The recruitment of most of the players have been good athletically. So we look at all the defenders, Gabriel, we look at party, we look at Tommy Asu, we look at um, Ben White. We look, everyone's complete. They, they don't have any glaring flaws. And my, my issue is, I know Zinchenko's like, got his attributes, but I prefer a Tommy Asu on the left and that type of player than a Zinchenko any day of the week. Because I just feel that you need to minimise your weaknesses and you need to minimise points that are pressure points that people can exploit your team. And I feel that Zinchenko, over the course of this season, will be proven to be a pressure point where people can exploit our team and a weakness that the, gives the Crystal Palaces of this world and the West Hams of this world hope. Um, I want a team to suffocate them and give them no hope. That's all. I think I think Zinchenko is capable of probably doing both, right? He's probably going to be a, a, uh, a weakness to exploit. And he's probably going to be someone who's really going to improve us offensively right because even from that first half against Palace he was involved in absolutely everything you know um and I do see like when we're talking about Xhaka and his deficiencies I do see Zinchenko being a you know someone who's able to yeah to offset that yeah exactly he he really overtook Xhaka's you know role in the team to progress the play and stuff like that so I can see both sides to the coin. I, I personally haven't seen enough of Zinchenko to say he is this horrendous defender. Um, maybe I'll see that over time and, you know, hopefully not. You know, hopefully it's not as bad as Leroy is suggesting. Um, but yeah, um, it's an interesting one because, you know, the game against Leicester, I would say it probably suits Zinchenko a bit more. Would you, would you guys agree with that? If you were to choose one home, of Tierney and Zinchenko? Yeah, at home, I would I'd assume we'd have good possession. Leicester would definitely sit off us, I think. And um, we should be, yeah, we should be camped in that half, really. So I'd, I'd, I'd think so too, yeah. Leroy, do you agree? You're sorry, what was that, sorry? Um, no, I was just saying, do you, do you think the game against Leicester would be more suited towards Tierney or Zinchenko? Um... I, I, I'm going to say after I've just cussed him out for however <laughs> because I, I, I feel that especially in the first half I feel like we're going to especially at home um, I, I've got um, a good few uh, Leicester fans who are friends who are Leicester fans and they're telling me they're very worried about their season they're telling me they're not convinced that they're going to do very well one, one guy is saying they're going to get relegated um, I, I, I don't, if they I don't, lose Tielemans they might you know <laughs> if they lose Madison, Fofana, Tielemans or two of the yeah. two two of the three they're getting relegated that's but, quite possible right um, I feel that with the way our tails are up I feel like we're going to dominate them so I feel like Zinchenko mm-hmm. will be quite important to that but we bring on I see us bringing on at 60 minutes 55 minutes bro yeah as long as we're winning because um, I don't want someone like um, I don't know what's his name 
uh, what, what's her winger's name? Harvey Barnes is giving the business. Harvey Barnes ain't there. He's injured. Oh, he's injured. No, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, Adam Lookman. That's one. Adam Lookman. Yeah. yeah, he's, he's really gone. Good. He's in Italy. What? Yeah, I, I can't lie. I don't know who Leicester's players are. He left. <laughs> but we'll we'll, 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 we'll get on to this. Huh? Permanently. Yeah, yeah, he's been sold. Yeah. Insane. I actually think he's good, you know. I would yeah, actually have no I like Adam Lookman as well. But uh, well, I actually it's... have no arsenal. No, they played two attackers um against Brentford. They played Madison and Vardy and James Do- James Justin and Castagne as as the wing backs, right. Kieran Doosby Hall and Didi and Tielemans in the middle, like right. literally no attackers. We need to dunk on them. Yeah. I, I, I need to. They had Ian Nacho on the bench, Dakar on the bench, Perez on the bench, and Dennis nah, Prayer. We need but, to run up the score. We need to run up. Yeah, the they're, score. they're not a good team. They've fallen off a cliff. Do you know but, what? Um, is, yeah. is it, aren't their owners in duty free, so they got no peas? Because <laughs> obviously, <laughs> the pandemic. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> Uncles are probably why they're going to sell all three of Madison. Yeah. Um, for Fana and Uncles uh, and aunties aren't stopping at duty free and spending their life savings no more. Yeah, mm. taking their piss, man. One thing about Jinchenko, though, in that game, because I didn't realise how bad Udegar was playing until Jinchenko's productivity dropped off. Because I think it kind of... It kind of... It takes burden of Udegar too, realistically. Because on that left-hand side, this is the this is the most I've seen us connect on that left-hand side. And that was one thing I always criticised because people were on Martin Lee saying we need more from Martin Lee and saying, listen, we're not getting more from, a lot from Martin Lee because, you know, Xhaka and Coutinho are not point. getting the ball to him. Yeah. I was, I was yeah. adamant about that last year. They're not getting the ball to him. It's hard for him. He doesn't have an overlap. He doesn't have someone to combine with inside. It's not easy for him out there. And when ESI was balling, it was actually when Tavares had this good spell last season. So, yeah. you know, Tavares was good at getting the ball to him. Tavares was actually, in some ways, you could say a progression monster at left back. Because this guy was carrying, he was hey, listen, that Marseille, he started, he started that loan spell at Marseille on flames, mate. Bro, he's coming. I'm man, still convinced worry. there's a player in there, man. I, I want him to come back. I, I, I think if he has a good season, could probably be, be the writing on the wall for Tierney, actually. Um, if he has a good season at, at Marseille, but you know, if Butser maybe let's let's move on though, because we've got a lot of things okay. to get through from this game, and we also God, need yeah. to look ahead to the Leicester game as well. Yeah, so, yeah. um, just. Obviously, it was Saliba's debut for us. I mean, unbelievable that we've had to wait. Is it three years? It's three years, oh, right? I've we've had to wait three years for the debut, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's... But he again, loves. it's one of those situations, right? When when you see his name on the starting team sheet, right? And I, I mentioned something last week about, you know, how Chelsea fans, I think they overrate their youngsters because they're no... They're probably never going to see them play for Chelsea, right? And I think Arsenal fans probably did a bit of that with Saliba. I think the theory of Saliba is amazing, right? And, and you can talk about Saliba, you can talk about him, talk about him, talk about him. Oh, he's this monster, right? And um, it's easy to say that when he's not playing for you guys and when he's, you know, is out of the spotlight in, in Marseille. So when he actually does come and play for it for you, it made me feel a bit like, oh, God, I, I really hope Saliba doesn't fuck up. Because like I said at the start of the podcast, the Ops were watching, right? They were ready for any... Like, the memes were ready. You, oh, you bet. You think the memes weren't ready? They were ready in drops. Had to delete. Bear, bear. A lot of people bear. had to delete. Oh, no, no, no. They won't delete. Yeah. They won't they delete. They're, they're, the drops. they're saving it. They're saving they're it for this one. They're going to store it, bro. Trust yeah. me. They don't sleep. Yeah. They don't They yeah. don't delete things. They're storing it. Because you know agenda rules, right? So it's just one yeah. game they're waiting for. One slip up. Yeah. But, you know... 
it's the it's the centre back pairing we wanted to see, right? We wanted to see it at the start of last at the start of the summer last year when before we signed Ben White. I think we're all really happy with Ben White, right? We're, we're all really happy with him, and he was a, a, a surprise to us when we signed him last year for such big money, and he actually performed well. Now Saliba and Gabriel on paper is just like it's just the perfect centre back partnership, right? It has a bit of absolutely everything. So. Um, but he, he didn't let us down in this performance, did he? He was probably our best, probably our best player, man in the match. He got man in the match officially. Um, there's some debate as to you know whether he actually deserved it or not. But me personally, I think he was the best defender on the pitch, best player on the pitch, and um, he really didn't let us down, man. Um, though, Leroy, let me come to you first. Were you how how nervous were you about this Saliba debut, or did you just like have the utmost faith in him that he was gonna you know smash it? Um, so in terms of my Saliba thing. I started to get a little bit... I've been really high on Saliba from the beginning, so I've been chatting shit for God knows how long. I, I, the reason is I watch loads of games. I, I, to be honest, there's probably not been a young player that we've signed or someone that we signed from another club that I spent that much time, hours and hours and hours, watching shitty French football. <laughs> but I feel like I know his game really well. And I, I put out a tweet just saying what you said. I feel that people... Talk about the idea of Saliba without actually having watched him. And my thing is, in terms of his defensive fundamentals, in terms of how he runs, how he adjusts his feet, how he gets his hip positioning, how he ushers people out, and all the basics of defending, I feel that apart from his aerial ability, this kid is top. He is top. He looks unreal. The problem I have is I have seen a lot of mistakes from him, particularly from concentration errors and concentration issues particularly position issues where he's just switched off, etc. And it's more mistakes than you would expect for someone starting at a top club. So I've always been extremely confident that Saliba will go through 99% of games and 90% of the game and everyone be like, wow, this guy's a Rolls-Royce defender. But I've always been worried that he's going to drop a clanger and that's all the ops want. They, the, the ops just want a clanger and they can dunk on him. And... That's you get an MOTD section because you you threw one in your own net, and then you know what people say. Once you get one of them sections, it's, it's all over, and yeah. that's the thing that was worrying. You get branded me. like Sebi did with uh, with Tielemans. Tielemans. <laughs> right, he, needs, he needs to pay touchline PR, bro. <laughs> but that that was my concern, and I'm so happy he didn't have any mistakes. I'm so happy he was switched on, but they're still to come unless he's ironed them out of his game already because. I've watched a lot of him and they're definitely there and they're definitely going to come. But people are seeing what I've seen from the beginning. Who, uh, Someone who is potentially a top, top, top defender because fundamentally he has everything and in terms of the ability, he has everything that you want from a defender. So I've been very confident that Sleeve will go through 90% of the games looking like a Rolls Royce and everyone will be like, oh my God. And I thought it would be a case where all the Arsenal fans would love him and sing his praises and all the ops will say he's overrated because all they're seeing is mis- his mistakes and not watching 90 minutes of every game. Um, and I was also concerned that if he does make mistakes, particularly early on, Arteta is going to drop him and do a Nuno Tavares and freeze him out. So I'm glad he started well. I'm glad he's got the hype because it makes it harder for Arteta to do that and he's going to have to persevere with him. Um, and I hope he just starts and has a good run of games at the beginning so he's got an equity in the bank so when the mistakes do come, he's not just thrown out of the team and cast out into the cold. And the ops know he's a baller as well, so they can shut their mouth. 100%. Couldn't agree more, man. I think um, Palace as, a, as an opposition, right, is, 
is an interesting opposition to come up against because it's it really does they they really do kind of like typify the Premier League. You know, really fast wingers, tricky wingers. You know, strong and powerful centre forwards. Um, you know, good good movers of the ball, and um, they they are a Premier League opposition. When you think of like hard away days in the Premier League, you think of Crystal Palace, right? Their team is just set up to cause you stress. Yeah, like to really stress those mistakes out of you. And um, he just didn't put a foot wrong. He excelled in um, challenge after challenge, duel after duel. Um, Shabs, you know, speak on Saliba, man. How, how impressed were you? Yeah, man. Just on your point about Sellers Park as well, my my, um, my brother-in-law is a season ticket holder and he um, he was at the game on Friday and I was with him earlier and he was just talking about that the, the place was roaring on Friday night because everyone's excited. It's the first game of the season. The fans were up and made noise and they were, they were geared up and tanked up from early. And it was a bit of an intimidating place. And, um, and then everything that you've said about Crystal Palace and the type of team they are and the type of team that Patrick Vieira is building over there, you know, uh, kind of in his image, like, um, in terms of physicality and um, they're an imposing side. You're right. They absolutely will stress you. And he just came in and dealt with everything, everything that was thrown his way. And I think this is the benefit, not only of a loan, because you have to think he was on loan to three different clubs across the three different seasons. You know, he had the loan back to San Etienne and then he had the loan at Nice and then he had the loan at Marseille. If you know anything about Marseille, yeah, and you know about the Stade Veldrome and you know about the atmosphere in, in, in that stadium. Or if you know about the ultras, those fans are absolute sickos. Sickos. Yeah. I swear, <laughs> I swear um, Patrice Evra, when he fly kicked um, the fan, it was a Marseille gate. I swear it was a Marseille fan because th- those fans get on your neck. Mm. Yeah. And then he said he don't care about football again and whatever. Yeah, it, he's played week in, week out throughout the course of a season in that stadium, in that environment, in that atmosphere where the fan base is demanding. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was an opportunity for him to iron stuff out, iron out his game, get match experience under his belt and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think it was an opportunity for him as well to get exposure to that mental side of the game and being able to cope. And I think he's obviously done that so well. And I think that's a huge part, actually of the reason why he was able to cope with the occasion. And he didn't look like the little man in the defence at all. Um, he didn't look like a newbie in that defence. He looked like he was very commanding. Actually, um, at times, he looked like more of a leader than um, than um, Gabriel, to be fair. So, you know, he really, really, really uh, imposed himself on the game. It's not often that I see um, centre-backs doing sliding tackles. I think he had a few moments where, like, you know, he slid to um, block the ball or block shots in early moments in the game. And then he had that fantastic big tackle in the second half, I think it was, that sliding tackle where he, um, I think it was Zaha, got past Partey. He got kind Zaha of what, what was going on. Yeah, and he just flew in with the block and that, you know, big tackle. If you used to watch Soccer AM and you know about big tackle. 
that 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 is right up there, man. So these men are a bit young, Shad. I don't know about that. Story. Uh, yeah, yeah. These yeah. man. <laughs> Anyone listening, the soccer aim didn't die out that long ago, but that that was that was one of them ones. And yeah, for 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 me, I think as well. Just a final thing. What I really like is that he's a player who looks very accomplished and ready to come in and do a job for us now. If um, Arteta reverts to a kind of Ben White at centre-back and Tommy Asu at right-back, he looks a player who's more than capable of being able to come off the bench and give us something. He looks like a very able, capable deputy. Obviously, to run up the propaganda, I want to see him starting as much as possible and I want to see him playing and performing as much as possible. Um, but, yeah, for me, I just think he gives us... Uh, options and the level of depth at, at centre-back as well. And yeah, man, I've been big on him from early and I want it to continue. I was not nervous for him at all. For me, I was excited. It was an opportunity to see what he can do and he delivered. First things first, sign the contract. Sign the contract. We'll, we'll get to that. And and I honestly believe he will um, if he gets the game time. I think he just wants to play. Yeah, but I think the fans will make it difficult for him to not want to stay as well because he's going to have his first game on Saturday at the Emirates, I believe it. Yeah, the the love that they're going to show him and the noise that they're going to make for him, I think he's going to be like, right, okay, these, these guys are serious. These fans are serious. Okay, cool. With his cool. performance against Palace, he has put an extra 20 bags in a rollie and has signed an on bonus on, on his budget. Yeah, still. yeah right. absolutely. More, more than that. Going up as well. No, more than that, man. More than 20. He's Absolutely. in a great position, isn't he, Saliba? Like, yeah, he's gonna have us over the barrel, over a barrel at the end of the season, is it? Really good. have to give good. him, yeah. No, they, gonna... they, they need to be sorting that really by the end of the window or shortly after. Yeah, but we're, we're going to be having to give him, I think, like one twenty to one fifty a week. Right? Yo, really? But listen, yeah. listen, that's yeah. gonna have to. But that's, that's calm. Okay, like, he's, if he's going to be your sitting the back for the calm, next 10 bro. years, that's not calm, calm bro. That's not calm. Mm. Bro, you, you lot, I swear, you lot. You're tight, I, bro. I look You're tight, you, bro. You all have to spend money. I swear. Leroy. You yeah, are too I'm, I'm, tight, I'm, I'm man. Keeping it real. That's what I think we're going to have to give him. Hey, listen, listen. Saliva. Dr. Saliva drives a Tesla and he's he saying we like to spend money. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I lie. Saliva's going to be a best center back, in my opinion. Ben White is on 120 something plus. Gabriel is probably going to get a new contract. He's going to get around that range. So Gabriel's on eighty grand. Sorry, Gabriel's got, Gabriel's on what 80, 80 grand or something. Wait, they're talking about a new contract. I thought he's on fifty. Yet, I thought he's only on fifty. Yeah, no, if you're right, I think he's actually on sixty grand. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah on like one twenty. Um, Saliba is a twenty-one-year-old who's probably on about twenty racks a, a, a week at the moment, and you want to give him one twenty from twenty. He's a full French international, you know. We've got to give him that one thing. Swear down, yeah. Like he, you can't walk into Arsenal and say, Yeah, I need a contract for 120. That's what he's asking for. I'm saying that's what we need to give him. Leroy, man, stop. We need to give him. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Honestly, if you don't run in our budgets, yeah, we'd be like Man United. Everyone on 300 bags. You take 300 bags. You take 300 bags. Everybody on 300 bags. Crazy people. Wait for the guys down, man. Go on, German. Go on. Finish up on Saliba. I've been waiting on the Saliba thing because. 
from the very beginning, I've been a big, big fan of Saliba, and I've been running up the Saliba propaganda, you know. Um, and I've been watching him, um, you know, and I agree, he makes mistakes. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm as worried as you, Leroy, about the mistakes because I think people put unrealistic expectations in general on young defenders in particular, and um, especially the defenders that are under more scrutiny get analyzed more harshly. So if we're looking at you know, the young defenders in world football right now, some of the best we, we would say, Konate is definitely up there. Um, he got eased into into the Liverpool team. He played a good role last season. He's made mistakes. You know, he's made he's made glaring mistakes um, um, that have cost Liverpool goals. But he's also saved them a lot. And he looks like a good prospect, in my opinion. Fofana plays for a team that doesn't get as much scrutiny as a big club like Liverpool or Arsenal. He has made mistakes. But because people don't watch every game of Leicester, it, you know, people don't really, you know, you don't really know his game as well. Um, but he's made mistakes because I've watched his games to understand if he makes the mistakes that Saliba makes. Um, someone like Upamecano makes way more mistakes than um, Fafana, Konate and Saliba. You know, he plays at Bayern Munich. All these guys make mistakes, in my opinion. Even the very best right now. Van Dijk just made a mistake on the weekend against and Fulham. A couple, actually. So, I think, in general, defenders are in positions where they make mistakes. Yeah? Saliba... It's actually crazy that we had him at you know as a debut, his first game for Arsenal, and he didn't put a single foot wrong. That's actually crazy to think about that because you'd expect him at least to like give a foul away or you know do something a bit rash. It, nothing like that happened in a very hostile environment, a very difficult game to manage where we were under the cosh. He was completely flawless, and that speaks to the potential that this guy has and the ability he has. Will he have games where he makes a mistake or two? Sure, we've seen last season. We 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 can all agree. Gabriel and Ben White both played well for a majority of last season, to be honest. They make mistakes that cost us games. You know, it is what it is. That's that's the trades. That's that's where we that's where we live in in the world where defenders have to take risks, they're in situations where they have to commit, and sometimes they get it wrong. So be it, you know. Um, at the end of the day, we have someone in Saliba that's not a regular talent, man. It's just not what he does is not regular. This guy's been on loan, and every single time he's been on loan, he's been a certified starter. Saint-Étienne is a big club in France. He came through the academy there, made his name, then stayed after we signed him. Um, nice is a bit of a smaller club. And I think particularly that Nice loan kind of rattles him because they thought he'd come in and ask at Arsenal and play straight away. And especially the early games at Nice, he was shaky. He was shaky in those early games. Was that, the, was that the loan that he went mid-season though, isn't this, it? Yeah, the mid-season. He'd mid been playing on. in the fucking under-23s and shit. Like, he, he was clearly not... You know, he had had six months off. Yeah, yeah, he was ra- he was rattled. I, I could tell by the way we, he was. We playing. we we killed him like with that. That was such a that was bad management. Yeah. Well, in the end, you know, he he ended up playing a lot of minutes, and he, we should and, pay him one hundred twenty k just for that bad management. You know, like hey, just... um, <laughs> it was a bad sequence. Hey, you know? why, why are you taking him out and not letting him play for six months? I'm doing business with all of you, man. <laughs> all my life ends. I'm doing business with all of you. This guy, man. <laughs> Uh, well, go on, go on, right. Yeah, so yeah, Nice, and then he, then he, then he does the loan to Marseille, and I think people don't quite understand. And Shabs, you've already alluded to Marseille. People don't understand. People are talking. Oh, he should go Newcastle. Who the fuck gives a gives a shit about Newcastle? Honestly, right. Fafana is at Leicester. He's had an amazing season where Saliba has only played six months, and he couldn't he couldn't even talk about the French national team. Mm-hmm. Saliba goes to Marseille, plays well. Where is he in the French national team? 
Marseille are a huge club. They're, they're, they're huge. probably the biggest club in, in, in France, you know, like historically. So they're a huge club. I, I have one guy I work with. He's a Marseille fan, man. He, he tells me all this shit. So it's a big, big team. And even like, if you if you speak to probably, if Saliba and Fofana, I prefer you have a conversation. Saliba is telling them, I'm playing for the big team. You're playing for Leicester when he's at Marseille. I'm telling you, this is how it is. I think it's just a perception in, in England, especially. You, over, you instantly think the Premier League club is bigger. But on the continent, that's not how people perceive it. People yeah, will look at it. It's a massive guy, footballing country as well. Yeah, exactly. These guys will look at it and say, this guy plays for Marseille. This guy plays for Leicester. Yeah, so they played. They played in um, Europa. They finished second in the league. They're a big. They're um, a big team. They're the they're big, big team with big expectations. Yeah. So and the he did really well on that loan. Really, really yeah. well. So it's all. All I'm saying is he's not a regular talent. He will make mistakes. Sure, everyone makes mistakes. But you know, this is a this is a gem. You know, this is this is not a regular talent that we have here. Um, I'll go as far as saying that. Um, under twenty three is probably the biggest talent we have at the foot club. Yeah. I agree with that. Wait, what? And I just, I just, and I just yeah, again? yeah. Under twenty three, I think it's a bit yeah. In terms of like, ta- yeah, I think I Ceiling. think it could be. It could I understand. Be, I understand what you mean. Yeah. 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 I mean, Saka is a top yeah. talent for me, but like you know, I think Saliba's sky's the limit, really. Yeah. Uh, no, so for for me, Saliba could like play for Real Madrid. Like Real Madrid will come yeah. calling it for him, and Fair I don't enough. think that's the place. I don't think I think Saka's got the heights, but I don't think that. Um, like Real Madrid, for example, would knock on Saka's door. Not You're saying yet. Saliba could win the Ballon d'Or? I not, think so. Not the Ballon d'Or. I don't. I wouldn't. I don't think it's <laughs> nah, gonna win the so. Ballon d'Or. <laughs> we're talking about them uh, Cannavaro days and that. No, nah, no, nah, I'm joking. I'm joking. Ops are gonna clip that up. No, nah, no, nah, I'm, nah, I'm joking. I think he. I think he can play for like a, a seriously elite team. So we we we. we 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 should try get to that level, otherwise it's gonna be difficult keeping. Hopefully, you can take us there, man. Hey, anyway, Leroy, you sound like Mariah, man, with his Ballon d'Or talk, man. Piss off, man. I, I, I love I, the way that Lewis. Can I just can, can, can I just say on record, fuck Houdini, <laughs> fuck Mariah, because he has been chatting a bag of shit about a our bag of shit. Really. We're coming for you. Not today, maybe on a Patreon piece, but <laughs> we're gonna hey, we're gonna catch you slipping, brother. I'll catch you slipping. I, I'm really so glad he's been getting slipping. cooked on Twitter. Go 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 and read the, the you know tweets. I'll the do it in a minute. I'm gonna I'm gonna retweet <laughs> every single one. He said he said yeah, he, he said um he said if you're an Arsenal fan over the age of 20 something, I don't want like don't don't respond. Like, I, I don't want to talk to you. I said, look at this guy. We're going to catch him, you know. I was talking about Paolo Maldini, you know. Listen, that was hey. the nastiest, nastiest. You know, When's the last show? Fourth. 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 Yeah. I got something hot for him still. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but United fans know. grew up idolizing Wayne yeah. Rooney. He's got one World Cup goal and four World Cup appearances, which was a penalty against Uruguay and has zero golden boots in the Premier League when he played 15 years in this league. I'm sorry, but. What do you know about a leg- legendary striker, bro? Oh. What do you know about him? Oh. This, Moreau 100% was in the Banistro over on Recamp. 100%. But anyway, let's let's move on because we've got a few more things just to talk about. Um, you know, but I think... I'm not sure where the criticism of Ben White came from. Was it from the opposition or... Because I personally didn't see a lot of... But it was from Arsenal fans? Yeah. It was okay, a really I didn't, I didn't really see opinion. Much. Right. I actually thought Ben White played quite well um, because yeah, yeah. Z- when, when you're playing against Zaha and Zaha looked sharp um, in the second half. Anyway, first half, I actually felt like he was a bit off the pace. But 
at the same time, I thought Ben White looked quite sharp. So maybe it was just, you know, kind of um, negating Zaha's strengths, right? And maybe, you know, that just goes to show how well I think Ben White dealt with Zaha, actually. Because let's face it, Zaha is giving every fullback in the Premier League a bad day. He does it every week. Every week. And, you know, I was listening to another podcast. I can't remember which podcast it was. And they were saying, as much as Zaha is a challenge physically, as much as he is a challenge technically, you know, with his skills, he's also a challenge mentally as well. Because, you know, he's he is one of those players who is trying to get inside your head. You know, he's diving around all over the place. I, I bet you he's in Ben White's ear the whole game talking shit. You know what Zaha's like, right? So I actually thought Ben White dealt with it quite well. It's, what is his second game at right back for us? Um, or third game maybe after preseason? Yeah, man, I, I was I was really impressed. You know, I don't think he had too many tough moments against Zaha. And, 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 and when he did, Saliba was there. You know, and I think when you're a fullback, knowing that your right-sided centre-back has got your back like that, I think it, you know, probably does give you a bit of a confidence boost. But um, yeah, man, uh, how do you how do you guys feel about Ben White's performance, and how do you how do you like him at right back? You know, do you think he's you know if Tommy Asu comes back tomorrow, what are you guys doing? I'm not I'm changing Ben White right back. Yeah, I'm, I'm not changing. Yeah, I'm not changing it. If Tommy Asu comes back, he comes back. He's got to earn and fight for his place again. For me, I'm keeping this going until something goes wrong. Personally, personally, because I think. There's a level of defensive solidity across those players, yeah, across all of those players that I think, yeah, actually, they look quite form- formidable. And I think that's a hard defensive set to break down. Obviously, Zinchenko defensively being um, the weakest link, he's not a natural defender. But I think those three, the combination of Gab, Saliba and Ben White, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not changing that at all. Um, just to answer your former question, I think that he coped with um, Zaha really well. I think we know what Zaha's on. The guy is on crud, comes out and plays like he's got a chip on his shoulder every single week. Um, you know, he puts defenders on the ropes, he puts defenders on skates. Um, and he did have up Ben White one or two times, maybe slightly, but so what? It's Zaha. That this is one of the best one v one forward guys in the league, so I don't really care about that. For me, Zaha won the 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 war on Friday. Um, ben White won right. the war, sorry, on 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 Friday night, and um, yeah, I think he coped with he, he dealt with everything that was thrown his way, and I, I don't think there's a lot more to say about it, really. German. Yeah, I think I think people people need to understand that you just can't. There's a certain level of attacker, certain level of you know um, forward that you can't contain. You can't contain them for ninety minutes completely. It's not possible. And Zaha is one of these players. Um, if he's on it, and he's he usually is on it in the big games. You know, against West Ham, he might not give a fuck. But when it's the big games, and he knows it's Friday night or Monday night, he's gonna be on it, and he wants to show out. Um, so you can't contain him. Um, I think Zaha actually played well, you know, but Ben White also played well. So it was a good matchup. It was good seeing Ben White, um, you know, dealing with him, um, handling him. Um, but a couple of times Zaha got away. That that's that's what's gonna happen, you know. I, I would say Zaha's the evolved version as um of um, you know, Saint Maximin. So Maximin, 
You know, you can get away from people, but he's just he doesn't have that proper danger because you'll get away, stop, and come try to do it again. If Saha gets away from you, it's real danger. Like he'll mm-hmm. shoot, you'll create. So um I think I think he's difficult to handle. He's very strong in duels. He's I mean he's a he's a formidable player in my opinion. So I think Ben White did well to to deal with him. And he even I think in the first 60 odd minutes, people were saying Zaha had a shit game. No, mm. Ben White had a good game, which made it difficult for Zaha, but he grew into the game a bit later on and then got some joy. I think um, people just need to respect that. Um, ben White that. also got booked after about 60 minutes, I think. So that probably played yeah. into that. Maybe, yeah. So he couldn't be as aggressive anymore. He couldn't be touched tight. And I think that's, you kind of showcase how you should try defense, Zaha. Don't sit off him. If you sit off him, he's going to cook you. You have to try get on his touch. You have to try annoy him. Um, and yeah, he did a good job. Uh, Dr. Lever? Yeah, I, I thought Ben White did well. And I feel like. <sighs> It, this happens, um, and it probably happens to all of us because this is football. Sometimes we don't look at every single action over the game, but a few actions stand out. So someone will do, so for example, let's say Gabriel will make three bad passes in the first five minutes. And if he makes three bad passes in the first five minutes, everyone will remember those. That's, that's what people stick with. The rest of the game will be flawless and people will say he had a bad game and he was 5.5 out of 10. I feel that's what happened with Ben White. Ben White had a couple of bad passes, a couple of diags, didn't look sturdy straight away, but he had a great game defensively. And that's the most important thing. I didn't really care what he did with the ball. I felt it was a difficult game with the ball for us anyway, but um, I, I, I felt he did well. I felt we kept Zaha pretty silent. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with him. And I'm happy with him at right back as well. Yeah. yeah. I think he's position. Sounds good. Um, let's move on to our front three because it was a, a game that we haven't actually really spoke about the goals and stuff yet, but and the chances that we created. But um, it was a really electric start from our front three, right? They meshed really well. Um, maybe a little bit less so Saka's side, but certainly Marcelli and Jesus um, were really involved in the game and, and our opening goal and the, the chances that we were creating in the first 20, 25 minutes. Um, how well do you think the front three meshed? And, you know, as far as debuts go, were you happy with um, Jesus's um, contribution? Uh, Shabs, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think he had a solid debut. Um, he, put, he obviously didn't score. Um, people would have looked at his form in pre-season and said, like, he was on, he was on fire. Um, I think every single one of us had Jesus to score. Yeah, the, we're doing our own prediction yeah, league, right? Yeah, I think every big, single one of us had yeah. Jesus to score. And I, yeah, I, I didn't was, quite happen for him. And I was just coming to that um, to say, like, we 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 all backed him to get a goal. Um, I'm not down on the fact that he didn't get a goal. I think the biggest takeaway for me watching Jesus on Friday was realizing just how much Laka held us back. And I've always known it, and I said it at the time. But you're seeing Jesus um, just moving with such as like he, he, his movement was fluid. He moved with speed. He moved with precision. Like, you know, I think he was so unpredictable that I think our players didn't always know what he was going to do. Yeah. So he's receiving. the And there was that moment in the first half where he um, did he win it high up? And then, um, or was it was it played into him? I can't remember because there were a few moments which uh, I've conflated in my in my head now but yeah he, he was he was pressing with intensity early on and um there was the moment where he had the ball and he nuts the player um 
and then kind of brought it on and carried it into the box and kind of got his shot off. You know the Martinelli chance that Martinelli missed, the yeah. gaping chance that he missed in like the first couple of, of, of minutes where he hit it back across um, the goal with the wrong foot. I Terrible think. Yeah, that Yeah, that was fantastic work from um, Jesus. And um, yeah, I just like the way that he's able to receive the ball, turn, um, receive the ball. He's comfortable technically. He's mobile. Um, he looks sharp. Um, I think game situation-wise, it was what it was really. And I don't think we carved out any clear-cut chances for him. And I think that's a part of that is lays at the fault of of, of Erdegaard, who, um, you know, German Dan's already kind of touched on that and what he wants. But um, I think he was very good. Martinelli also, for me, came out the blocks flying, like I said earlier. Um, you know, he scored that first goal. He had an opportunity to score before that. And I think he was just very confident with it and just running, especially in the opening exchanges, just trying to run at guys and get in and at um, um, Palace. And I think he occupied, uh, was it Klein playing at right back? Yeah, but I think he occupied Klein quite well. And I think he occupied Klein and Anderson um, as well, really gave the both of them something to think about. Um Saka, I don't think that we saw a, a lot and a great deal of Saka in the first half. I don't think that the ball really carried down that right-hand side. And again, that's been touched on already. So I'm gone, go, yeah, yeah to, to, into, into too much of it. But um, I don't think that he was bad, but I think, yeah, we didn't concentrate play down that side. And again, I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if that was because of the influence that Zinchenko had. Um, on the build-up, I, I I don't quite know the reason for that. It'll be it bucks the trend, though, doesn't it? Normally, we are very right side centric. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, but yeah, in the end, you know, he um, it was his delivery that um, you know made the difference for us in terms of making the game comfortable at the end. And you know, I, I was happy that it was him. There was some impact that he had on the game, especially late on. So. Yeah, like, you know, attacking wise, I think there's more to come in terms of, of of combinations between those three. I'd be interested to see how often those three players found each other. Um, but yeah, I like it. I like that there's a fluidity. I like that um, Jesus can kind of move into that left space or that right space and that either one of them can kind of move up the top. And again, that, that fluidity and ability to interchange. Of course, that three speaks to the point that Leroy made earlier as well about um, Arteta buying multifunction players and, and players who are kind of comfortable and accomplished in a range of different roles across across the team. And it really fits in with this positional play and way of playing. So, you know, knowing how many players can occupy a certain zone at a certain time. And I think they they um, if they don't already know it, I don't think they're far off it at all. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to more of it. And I back Jesus to score a goal at home on Saturday against Leicester. Jermaine Dan? Yeah, I think um, it was exciting to see um, Jesus um, start for us. And, um, you know, his, his dynamism, uh, his willingness to press, his willingness to commit players, his willingness, um, you know, to, to play um, and really, really try be a, a danger. Um I do have a little concern uh, with him. I think at the moment, um, I think we're, he's obviously flying from a preseason. I think my concern is about energy. So I think he commits a lot of energy into the pressing, commits a lot of energy into getting even the ball into 
you know, there was some play he did for Udegaard, um, where Udegaard probably should have shot first time. Like, he does a lot of this kind of stuff, and he's a quality player. I can see that. I just hope that, you know, it lands from in terms of energy, con- you know, conserving it for the right actions. Because I think in the second half, I felt like he's held off because he was, you know, running so hard, he was committing so much, and he didn't quite get rewarded for his hard effort. So that's a bit of my concern. I hope that, you know, in terms of energy utilisation, that improves. And then, you know, in Spurs, you can you can kind of like, you know, take the game by the scruff of the neck for, you know, 15 minutes, decide it, and then you can rest. Um, because I feel like he was playing about 100 miles an hour for like 45 minutes, then 60, and then he was done. And um, Eddie gave us that added injection. I'm not saying Eddie won that game, but the play that he did, um, for that goal, um, you know, kind of started with having, you know, being sharp, being having energy. <laughs> I know he just came off the bench, but he had energy to do certain things, get a ball up the pitch, and then Saka, you know, tried to cross it in and it wasn't on goal. But um, that kind of, you know, energy is needed in key stages, so I don't want him to burn out. Um, I think maybe this was just the first game he was trying to, you know, smash it from the very beginning. Um, I just, that's my only concern. I don't have concerns with him about as a footballer. He looks strong, man. He looks strong. If a centre-back's backing into him, he can hold that ball. Um, he can really trouble centre-backs. Um, Gohi's lucky um, that, um, you know, we didn't get the ball into the right-hand side in the right channel often enough. I think Udegaard really had an off game. If he gets that ball into Saka more, because I, I actually think, and I watched the game back, I think Saka was sharp. He was mm-hmm. really sharp in his actions. Like, you know, when you see the operating, uh, operation speed of a player, you see touch, goal, touch, goal, or first time, or he's quick onto that loose ball. I felt Saka was ready, but the ball didn't come often. And um, I think if the ball comes more to Saka, Saka is the one I trust um, to find the striker more than Martinelli. I think Martinelli can, you know, deliver a cross or stuff like that. But I view him more as, you know, that secondary scorer rather than uh, a creator. And both our creators were in some, I say, obviously, Jintako took some responsibility, but both our main creators are Saka and Udegaard. And because the supply chain didn't provide him, I think he was a bit stuck in the game. Udegaard was a bit stuck in the game. And Jesus done really well creating chances out of nothing. We ain't seen this from an Arsenal forward in a while. You know, I mean, Aubameyang can score goal out of nothing, but he can't manufacture chances out of nothing. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was loose ball, he's He's, he's banging one up and just, you know, <laughs> cutting it back. Then gets the ball, like, you know, in the final third zone, 14 fair. But he's going past two, three players to create a short scoring opportunity. That doesn't, we, we haven't had this kind of dynamic before. So if we can, you know, get that supply chain working Saturday, Udegaard, Saka usually link up well. If they get that going, the ball goes into Jesus more. Maybe he doesn't, you know, use that as much energy as he did in that game. Um, so it could always be a bit of a knock-on effect, but that's what I was worried about. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Dr. Lee, uh, thoughts on the front three and Jesus' uh, debut in general? I uh, Sorry, I, I really like it. I, I like the, the makeup of this front three a lot. I feel that I see Jesus, his intensity bringing Martinelli up a level. I feel that his movement and him being busy is going to bring Martinelli up a level and I think we've seen Martinelli start really hot in preseason, and if he can increase his output and keep the level of performances and keep his contribution of all the other things, then because I've been a bit concerned, we're not getting enough from that left side. 
I think Saka on the right side's given us enough. And I feel that ESR and Martelly didn't give us enough last season, so I was looking for an upgrade. But if Martelly can up his output, we may not have to force that. And we, we may just need just a rotation competition type thing. But um, I, I really like that makeup, and I think that's going to be the front three for a long time. And I think ESR is going to have to fight tooth and nail to get his way back in. Um, uh, in the same he, way, John, he'll be back. Don't worry, man. He'll be back, man. Don't worry. I'm I, I just I'm, I, in the same way, John Dan said. Uh, I think Jesus blew his load. Um, pause. But uh, he he he, um, he went too heavy, man. He, he was running like a headless chicken. Not headless chicken. He, he was running just a eager lot. Eager to press, man. Eager yeah, to yeah. impress. And I feel that he'll temper that when he calms down, he settles down, gets his first goal, gets his first couple of goals and stuff like that. Um, but really and truly, I feel like there's so much that hinges on Martinelli really going up a gear this season. Because if we do, and then if we get the strengthening in midfield, I think we're going to have a very, very good season. And I think that front three is going to score and create hatfuls of goals. Yeah. This front three has got a lot about it, man. Um, and it's... It's they're all three, all three of them are players that we really like as well. So it's threatening, doesn't it? Yeah, but that's what that's the word I'm looking for. Didn't it just feel that they're more threatening? Yeah, together as a front three, yeah. they, a they're team. a very complete front three, I think. Yeah. You know, in terms of like their attributes, so blending together, yeah. you know, there's a bit of everything there. Um, but yeah, um, let's move on to some listeners' questions before we wrap things up. Um, follow uh, FIFO. He asked, uh, do you guys feel Saka has been a bit reluct- reluctant to take on his man recently and opts to pass it inside? Is it instructions or just lack of confidence? I don't really notice it. I think Tyreek Mitchell is a very good 1v1 defender, actually. Um, he didn't really give Saka a sniff. You know, um, I don't. I haven't really seen a reluctance from Saka to go 1v1. I just think maybe Palace identified Saka as our strongest attacker and... I think they defended, they, they managed to stop the supply chain to Saka, number one. And number two, when did when Saka did receive the ball, it wasn't really in any favourable offensive positions, really. You know, the one time it was, he, you know, got the ball in, we scored from it. Um, and he had like a, a chance on his right foot as well, where um, he blasted it wide. But yeah, I didn't, it wasn't like his best 1v1 game, but... I think at the same time, we also have to like, identify the fact that, you know, Tyreek Mitchell is, is is no slouch, you know, coming up against him 1v1 in not ex- not exactly favourable um, positions. It's going to be a tough game. So, um, but yeah, did you guys, did you guys notice any reluctance to go 1v1 or any, any concerns in that regard? I, I think, I think Saka was, um, as you said, uh, Mitchell was a good player defensively. I think Saka was, you know, he was trying to hold the ball to get people to come support him rather than just try to take the guy on by himself. And, you know, that's, you know, that that's that supply chain was fucked, man. The FBI, you know, confiscated everything that on that right-hand side. So um, I think he was okay. You know, let's see how he does. Who's he playing against this weekend on the left? Who plays for left? Uh, Justin, left. I can't remember, I think his left as left back is. Is it James Just, uh, Justin? Is that his name? Justin. Well, yeah, maybe. Player, maybe. Decent. But Decent. I think. Yeah, but I'm yeah. pretty sure Saka's beat him up before. Yeah, I was going to say, barbecue, yeah. man. Saka's going to cook him, man. Up. Yeah. But I, f- I think the other thing is that Saka, to me, he looks like he did have some defensive res- responsibility mm. as well. He actually did that role he very wasn't. well. 
he did do that role mm. very well. And I think that that might that be a reason as well, what because he was definitely a bit more cautious. He didn't press as aggressively as um as um the others did. And actually it looks like Erdegaard, part of the reason why Erdegaard done so much running and covering as well was because he would sometimes go and press or try to close down Mitchell to allow um, Saka to drop off to yeah. cover for Zaha as well. And I think that's one way that Mikel Arteta did look to try to negate the the um, the Zaha threat. But yeah, he did look like he shouldered a bit of a defensive responsibility, which might have, I don't know what that might have done, that might have made him tired, mm. um, you know, in terms of getting up the other way. It, it might have um, exerted more energy. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Apart from what we've already discussed here, I don't know the real reason behind it, but um, it is something that I noticed as well. He did show there a bit more defensive responsibility than Martinelli had to on the other side, for example. Yeah. That's one thing we absolutely need to get though is, is our players back because, boy, I was looking at the bench on, on that game and, you know, we were, we were saying, oh, we need to do something, we need to change something in the game, but it's like the bench was looking so weak. You know, it's like, who do you really bring on, you know? And yeah, it's uh, it's important that we don't burn Saka out this year. We need to share his minutes. And, you know, when you're 2-0 up, maybe, you know, bring on someone else or, you know, um, if the game is comfortable, let's not play this kid, into, burn this kid into the ground, man. Mm. Um, did did so- Pepe make the bench? Was Pepe on the bench on Friday? Uh, yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say that I, I don't yeah. think I wanted this guy on. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. important we get ESR back, Vieira, because I think yeah. those are two players who could have come on. Like Eddie came on and did really well. Tierney came on and I thought did quite well as yeah. well, actually. Yeah. Um, it's important to get these players in because games like that, especially with the five subs now, these players are going to be able to make differences on the pitch. And yeah, um, yeah we, we just had no options, really. You know, no, no options that we liked. Anyway, we we had options, but they weren't exactly favourable options. Um, Leroy, did did you notice anything from Saka that you were nah, concerned? Nah, about? I, I didn't see anything at all. I mm. just thought that um, he, he didn't feed him enough. Got feed yeah. him like he's hungry. Then yeah, man, hundred percent. Juga Benito, he asked uh, if you had a choice of adding either Prime Sesk or Prime Santi to our current midfield, who would you choose? Sesk all day. Sesk, he's is a much better footballer, yeah. Easy work. Sesk at that left eight, cooking, cooking, chef curry thing. To be Santi's unreal, but Sesk was literally like a generational football player. Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty clear cut yeah. for me. Shabs, you're, Shabs, you're looking a bit. No, 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 no. I don't. I okay. don't. I, I love Santi, but yeah, I, I just I don't think. Uh, like I needed a harder one. To be fair, I think that that one's easy, man. Sesk, Vieira, I, Vieira, or Fabregas. In this, in this team, in this team, I'm I'm taking Vieira in this team, man. At left eight, I'm taking Vieira, man. I remember, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm taking Vieira as well. I, I remember when I remember when Sesk when Arsenal played Juve and Sesk, um, I think got the goal and the assist, didn't he, in the two 0 mm-hmm. at um, the Emirates, and they were saying, "Oh, there's a changing of the guards and." whatnot, because um, Vieira was on the Juve side. And then I remember when Spain came up against France in the World Cup and Patrick Vieira had to make Sesk sit down and he said, Yo, <laughs> what, what's, 
what's the what's man saying about me? What's man talking crud on my name? And he was Vier was kicking the ball over man's head. <laughs> I said, yo, you can't we can't disrespect Patrick. I'm like that, crazy with it though. Seska's crazy with it. Right? I'm, I'm picking Vieira because of the hype, man. <laughs> in this team, in this particular team, I'm taking Vieira, man. I'm not going to lie. Prime Vieira. You got, you lost your damn mind. Seska's hooping in this team, though. I know he is, but prime Patrick Vieira. you got to think about Patrick at his best, man. Like The main reason I'm taking Sesk, especially in that advanced left day, because I think he gets 15 goals and 15 assists. Yeah, I can't. This is, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm picking Vieira because he, you know, Capitano, but still, man, Sesk, boy, in that left eight, you hooping, man. Yeah, I, I don't think he gets know, man. 15 goals and 15 assists. I think in a different setup, it, it, you maybe would side with Vieira, but maybe in this particular setup, it's kind of suited to Sesk. Nah, um, in, in this setup, I'm taking Vieira. If we're talking about we need a ball progressor as well, there, there was nothing that Vieira couldn't do defensively nah, all going I forward. I, I agree. And to be honest, the PMP is is is, is appealing, but 15 goals, 15 assists, I can't I can't <laughs> deal with raw numbers, man. Mm-hmm. Think about what Sesk was doing for us as a baby in midfield. Yes, eight goals and like 20 assists or something stupid. Nah, yeah. he was crazy, That's but crazy. like I, I'm glad because I needed it. I needed it to be harder because I like Kazula, but th- this one's a lot harder. And yeah, for for me, um, uh, my pick is Patrick. Yeah, underscore M four F seven nine. He asked, "Do you guys reckon Erdogan would be better on the left hand side or right hand side in a four three three? Personally, yeah. I think the left hand suit side would suit him better. Why? I've not seen Erdogan mm. create." With great of you know effectiveness on the left hand side, the cutback is not really his way of creating, and mm. he likes to cut in and play. It just like forced him more out wide, yeah. wouldn't it? I don't think left. Even the ball reception on the left, I'm not yeah. sure about it. On the right, the right is his position, man. He sees the pitch from the right, where he gets the yeah. ball as well. He gets a wide, wide right. He sees the full pitch. Yeah. On the left, it's different, man. It's it's exactly the same as how I feel when we had moved Saka to right wing the first time. And it opened up his game because he can see the whole game. And for the intelligent players and for the players who are, are more brain than, than, than sort of, not, not more brain than ability, but the brain is a USP, like Odegaard and Saka, uh, I think playing inverted is what suits them. Yeah, fair enough. Um, last question. Don Mikel 17 he says, has your perception on Arteta changed since watching All or Nothing? So we've done an All or Nothing uh, Patreon piece. So if you aren't signed up to the Patreon, or if you haven't, if you are a patron, you haven't got round to listening yet. It is actually on our Patreon, three pound a month. Um, you can, um, you can, you can have a listen of that. The, the lads go through the first three episodes of All or Nothing. Um, guys, any thoughts on Arteta? Like, has, has anything changed on your perception of Arteta since watching All or Nothing? Or is it a bit, is it a bit hard to take from these things because everything is not staged, but everything is carefully chosen and. You know, put together in a certain package, right? So, how much can you really take from, you know, this series? It's not really built to have like a huge insight, is it? It's, it's entertainment at the end of the day. Mm-mm. Yeah. I gave my opinion on the on the on, on the Patreon piece, man. You got you got you got to lock into that. To... <laughs> got you got to pay. You yeah, got to pay man. to hear it. <laughs> Shabs's opinions are behind a paywall. Yeah, man. For now, for now. German? 
Yeah, same answer. I well, I give I give you a little bit of a sneak peek. Yeah. Okay, go. On. I wouldn't say Let my be. opinion has like greatly changed about Atar. I think yeah, all or nothing thing is is a cool thing. I'm glad the club has done it to give us just that little bit of insight. It's not you know all behind the scenes completely, but we getting some insight on the ways of operating and you know um, events that have taken place. And um, you know, I can't lie, Atar is a bit corny. But some of the stuff I get why he's doing it. You know, it's like this guy's downloaded the um Harvard's business school leadership program. <laughs> he's applying everything that's on the fucking, you know, <laughs> in, in one team talk, everything. <laughs> Just cram it all in. <laughs> Basically, <Yeah>. man. <laughs> uh Dr. Lee, what about yourself? Um, I think uh he's definitely done his team building MBA and um whatever he's done, but nah he, he it is what it is, man. It's the same, man. It hasn't really changed my perception of him at all. What what will change my perception of him really is what happens on the pitch and what I see in terms of evolution of the team. Um, and I'm very much cool as you see it. But if you answer the question, nah, nah. Sorry, you guys. It's like nearly midnight, so I'm a bit tired, bro. No, no, no. That's cool. We're going to wrap things up anyway. We've got obviously Leicester to look ahead to on the weekend. Is it a Saturday game? Is it 3, 3 p.m. kickoff? Saturday 3 yeah. p.m. Sunday. Saturday 3 p.m. So, yeah, it's going to be hot, man. It's going to yeah. be hot. Um, Leicester didn't get off to a great start. You know, they were 2 0 up and ended up drawing 2 2 at home to Brentford. Um, we got the better of Leicester twice last season, right? We beat them at um, Filbert Street, like I like to call it, Walker Stadium. Um, and uh, we obviously beat them at the Emirates as well, which was actually, I felt like, one of our better performances of the season. I really enjoyed that Leicester performance um, at home. Um, hey, Philbert Street is, you're so dumb. It's just making me think Casey Keller. And Casey Keller, Dennis Burkham, packing him in, bro. That's, Casey that's... Keller. <laughs> Oh, hey, is so cold. It's a throwback. Um, but yeah, it's it's a game that I, I'm expecting us to get a comfortable three points. This Leicester, we've already spoken a little bit about Leicester's deficiencies, and you know, they really have done I don't think they've signed have they signed anyone? I don't yeah, no, they I'm haven't the only, signed anyone, the right? Only club in the top five leagues to not sign nobody. That is insane. Absolutely I insane. told you, duty free. Uncle Uncle Benjamin is Boy. not buying from duty free. They have they no money. Yeah, they ain't signing them. They ain't selling enough of them. Calvin Klein uh, one. Is it Calvin Klein one? The perfume. They ain't selling enough, bro. Ah, uh, money. And, and the, the big multi packs of Cadbury's. Uh, since, yeah. uh, what are they called? The uh, celebrations and, and that. Like they ain't selling enough. Bro, why do you think they're holding out for that extra two and a half million for Tielemans, bro? Otherwise, they're going to have to make all their uh, all their backroom staff redundant. I hope Tielemans ain't trying to dunk on us, though. Like, he needs to go, go easy yeah, on us. Yeah, he needs to take it easy. He needs to cool yeah, off, take man. Easy on us, bro, cause... Nah, nah, he, he's going to dunk on us, though. Otherwise, he ain't getting his move. Mm. Do, do you reckon? Do you reckon? Mm, it, right. it, yeah, I mean. Nah, nah, nah well, he's going to try, but Shaka to dominate him for the seventh time in a row. And then. <laughs> And then us, man, all, all the people on Twitter are calling for us to sign the guy to improve us at Shaka Dunks on every year, twice a year. Mm. But, sorry, man. Yeah. Are you, are you are you confident about a win? Yeah, 3-1. We usually three one. beat Leicester, though. That, that's the thing. They, I mean... Leicester at home. Yeah, they usually, we usually beat them. Yeah, we Even away from home, we usually beat them, to be honest. Cash yeah, money. we've got a good record against Leicester um, in recent years. Uh, 
It's Vardy playing. I, think... I don't think he's playing, is he? Yeah, he's, he's... and he, he he's reeling from his three million pound loss, bro. <laughs> yeah, he's fuming, bro. <laughs> he's fuming. <laughs> Yeah, he's cheating, bro. I'd hate uh, to be in that household. I'm telling you, I don't know what's going on in that household at the moment, boy. Bro, he needs uh, that landscape partnership, bro. He needs. Shabs, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you reckon for the um, for the Leicester game? All right, we need to rise it, man. What do you want? An actual score prediction, or are we saving that? Are we? Are we? Are we saying um, we same team? Are we? Yeah. Like, no one's making any changes. No, no I want changes. the same team. Don't Free change one. the damn thing. Yeah, Jesus double Eddie off the bench. Three one, yeah. Three 0 We're making phone calls all day long. Yeah, I'm not. We, I'm. I'm not conceding no goal. I'm going two 0 I'm going um, Martinelli and um, yeah, Martinelli and um, Jesus. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm not conceding the goal either. Lou. Two clean sheets to start, yeah. I'm not conceding a goal, Lou. Not because of Rams, because of Saliba, bro. Yeah. Boy, we, we did, you're lucky we didn't manage to fit Ramsdale in today, because <laughs> listen, listen Ramsdale, Ramsdale had a, a, a two really good games against Leicester last year. His um the, the game at Filbert Street where he kept us in the game with some great saves, and at home his distribution was amazing. I think Leicester is a, a game that uh, Ramsdale's gonna. Yes, dad know, is going to be in the stand, isn't he? He's going to rise it. Yeah, his dad is hilarious, man. Legend. Legend. His dad yeah. is what I would be like as if my son played for Arsenal. Yeah. I'd be his dad. Same. Yeah, no, I yeah. think we rise it. I, d- I don't know who the goal scorers are going to be. I think uh, Jesus is going to get one of the goals. And I don't really care who gets the second, to be fair. But yeah, I think we'll beat them again by two goals to nil. Maybe three, but I'm going with two for now. Um, it was two two nils last year, so yeah. third one, you know. Yeah. But anyway, lads, let's let's wrap it up because it is quite late. Um, thank you to everyone who joined us on the live. Um, we appreciate all your comments and stuff like that. Like I said, we've got the live show coming fourth of September. There's a limited amount of tickets. I think capacity is something like 120, 130 people. So, like I said, we've already sold over a hundred tickets. Right? You do the maths. There isn't much tickets left. So be quick. Buy them. And uh, we'll see you there. Uh, we'll be back sometime next week after the game. We'll do a patron piece after the uh, the Leicester game. Hopefully after three points, man. Two out of two. Come on, man. Let's. We've got a nice little run coming up. Let's let's make the most of it. Get points on the board and start having you know start feeling good about this season, man. And hopefully uh, sign a few more players as well to improve this team. But anyway, lads, thanks for joining me. I will see you soon and uh, take it easy. to 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil Lacazette Ozil Go Could it went left but it went right Could have went wrong but it went right Said it was Ian but it went right Pass on pass on sight MVP in the last Can I get a Podcast Network.